0: We tell people all the time, like, you don't got to go out and do all this stuff. You go on these trips, you figure out what you do want, but don't go out and spend all this money on it. We built this truck and we created a service to purpose this truck. Don't want to turn people away from the passion to buy stuff because we do live in in a consumer driven economy. But, you know, think really about what you need before you do
1: it. That was Jason Specht of Mountain State Overland, and this is episode four of the Gaia GPS Off-Road podcast. I'm Wade, your host. In this episode, we're talking with Jason about overlanding the East Coast as part of a talented and crazy bunch of guys called Mountain State Overland. He's also built numerous off-road and overlanding vehicles, and he'll share some tips on intentionally building a rig that's just right for the way that you want to explore your world. But first, let me tell you about these great deals from Trails Offroad and Gaia GPS. Wondering if a trail is too difficult for your rig or maybe not challenging enough? Trails Off-Road has over 2,700 highly detailed and carefully curated trail guides in North America. And they're adding more every day. Every trail report comes with a GPS track, a seven-day weather forecast, and the best campsite and viewpoints on the route. So you can know before you go with Trails Off-Road. And now podcast listeners can get 20% off by going to www trailsoffroad.com podcast. That's right. 20% off the best, most detailed trail reports in the U.S. And did you know that with a click of a single button, you can send any Trails Off Road trail guide directly to your Gaia GPS account. If you don't have Gaia GPS, we can help you out with that too. Just go to www.gaiagps.com podcast and get a sweet 20% off right now. I use Gaia GPS on every adventure, whether overlanding, hiking, or backpacking. And the folks over at Gaia GPS just keep making the app better and better. Recently, they came out with offline snap-to-trail trip planning, which means you can change plans while off the grid and get an accurate read on the route, even without cell phone service. Gaia GPS also connects to CarPlay and Android Auto so you can view your route on the dash and keep your eyes glued to the road. Go to wwwgaiagpscom slash offroadpodcast. Snag that 20% off. All right, let's get back to business here. Every vehicle build begins as an idea. You dream of transforming your rig into a trail machine that takes you on your next amazing adventure. But there are hundreds, if not thousands, of options out there for upgrades and modifications. Today, Jason gives us some points to ponder on building out your vehicle for backcountry travel. He recently built out a stock Tacoma after one of his got totaled in an accident. In doing so, he's learned a few things about building a perfect off-road vehicle, what to invest in and what to save your money on. So let's dive right in. Well, Jason, welcome to the Off-Road Podcast. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today.
0: Absolutely, Wade. I'm looking forward to this. We tried to tried to make this happen a little bit earlier. We had some technical difficulties, but that's, that's just the way it is here in a cyber world.
1: That's true. So let's start off, for those that uh, might not know, tell us who Mountain State Overland is.
0: Oh, boy. I don't, I'm not too sure where we start. We are um, professional car campers. I'm not really sure how else to describe it other than... We like to spend some time in the woods, and um, about eight years ago, we were sitting on the banks of the Greenbrier River in West Virginia under some blue tarps, and somebody said, we should start filming ourselves. We got a camera. What, why don't we do it? We got to have a mission, and we started talking about telling people more about the state of West Virginia and the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, taking them on a journey with us, and they we're you know an eight-year-old YouTube show. We have our own guide service in West Virginia, four years running on that and actually renting overland vehicles for other people to explore with. So yeah, it's kind of an animal that started from a project and a lot of passion and a lot of energy. And it's created some fun opportunities and some awesome people to work with um and be a part of fun podcasts like this.
1: Well, from watching your YouTube videos, I can tell you that you guys just don't seem to have very much fun. My advice would be to loosen up a little bit. I mean, especially Ben and Gabby. I mean, those boys are just wound too tight. <laughs>
0: that sounded a little scripted, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> you, you, you planned you planned for that one. Um, yeah, we like to have fun. You know, we we've built a lot of trucks, been a lot of places. I think we've cataloged maybe 70,000 miles of, you know, truly overland adventure travel, whether that's traveling the same roads or not, dedicated to filming. So, uh, but part of that experience is like, this is our vacation family. This is time away from work, or we're starting to bring our family with us now. But, you know, our philosophy is let's go out and have a good time and not hide who we are. Let's still be responsible because that's, you know, who we are too. But Let's show people the real us because when we have to meet these people at some point in time or we build a fan network, they're going to want to see the same the same thing, right? At the end of the day, you know, when we take people on these guided trips that have watched our YouTube shows, they're just like, oh, my gosh, you guys are exactly the same. And that's the feedback that we need. That's what we're trying for and shooting for because, you know, it's it's fun for us. And if it's too much of a business for us, it won't be as much fun.
1: Yeah, I can understand that. So. Obviously, guiding trips is a big part of uh, what you guys do. Uh, what type of folks are normally on your guided trips?
0: I mean, w- wow, we've we've um, novice to advance. We've had rock crawlers go to car camping. We've had <laughs> car campers expecting a lot more, you know, from these trips. Uh, we've had people that are completely clueless. We've had um, somebody build a 2017 LC200, Land Cruiser 200 series, um from top to bottom, full suspension armor, storage, rooftop tents. Um, and when we got to camp the first night and rendezvoused, um, after we had a couple of drinks and enjoyed the campfire, he asked me if I could come help him open his rooftop tent. So we've had <laughs> you know really, really green people. We've had very experienced people. We've done you know family kid centric trips. We've had a very a very diverse crowd of people. We, we welcome anybody and everybody, no matter what they're driving. Uh, we try to outline specific to some of the trips that we do exactly which type of vehicles we'd recommend, you know, based on clearance and tires and stuff like that, or whether they're pulling a trailer, but we get them all. I mean, and it's great and it's fresh for us. And we were just as excited to have our fir- first repeat customer to new people. You know, once we started getting repeats, we started getting more repeats and then we were like, We're not really getting tired of seeing you, but we want to see somebody else. You know, we want want more people to come in and experience that. And it's just great. It's building community. And that's what these people are hungry for. They were creating these micro sectors of people from different, you know, professions and different levels of experience coming and living out of the woods or living out of their cars and in the woods for three to four days. And then they're sharing their emails. And then before you know it, they're all camping together at Overland Expo or they're you know, coming to our Adventure X Fest and they're all camping together and driving around the next day. So it's a really cool thing. And I think in this society, when we're all digital and really focused on our digital imprint, you know, people are really hungry for those personal experiences. And that's what uh, these guided trips do
1: for them. So besides not being able to operate your brand new rooftop tent, uh, do you have sort of your most interesting guide story? Something that surprised even you? Do you want the most Anxiety producing or <laughs> the most interesting? <laughs> well, we can go with both. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I, there's definitely one that stands out in my head, Wade. I, uh, I had uh, t- two extra guides with me. I had a photog, which is a guide, and then we had an, a dedicated vehicle guide you know, with myself. And we were leaving five people or five trucks. Uh, we try to keep our groups really small because we want to manage our impact on the land. That's really important to us mm-hmm. and on the cultures and the communities that we drive through. Well, we were taking uh, five trucks through the woods and we'd started the first morning, the first 15 minutes we're in four-wheel drive and then in low range, 15 minutes later, crossing a creek, uh, steep hill climb, short but steep with a big rock in the middle of it. So it required some sort of maneuvering and some sort of guiding um, in that process. The first vehicle across was myself um, in a kayak camper, a UCAB kayak camper that we had in our last Tacoma. The second vehicle was a, 200 series Land Cruiser pulling um, a larger, heavier trailer, completely outfitted truck, completely outfitted trailer, a uh, whole lot of weight. Um, they took the creek, followed my line, got hung, hung the trailer up on the rock, and took some maneuvering and some max tracks, finally got them into a position that where I was like, you're just going to have to put your foot on the pedal and go. And they did, and they got the trailer over the rock, and then the trailer got hung up in a rut. Uh, the passenger wheel came off the ground, passenger front tire came off the ground, grenaded a CV joint, exploded, like literally exploded. And it was stopped, you know, it was just full on, just just stop, let's assess this situation. We've got guests on the other side of the river. Fortunately, we had a, three guides with us, so we had another guide with them. And um, we had to put it in overdrive and start really thinking about our situation, understanding safety, understanding our environment, and setting up Z drag, setting up you know a direct line pull with the Land Cruiser. I mean, at that point we were completely immobilized. Um, sure, we could have taken the tire off of the Land Cruiser, pulled the CV joint out. Crippled it out of there, driven out fine, but we didn't have that opportunity because I was informed about 15 minutes into this exercise that there were 67 UTVs waiting to go up the trail on a Friday morning in Southern West Virginia in the middle of the spring, um, which is totally, totally out of the ordinary. It was an AT- it was a UTV side-by-side meetup, taking a public road, a very technical public road in West Virginia. And uh, that, that kind of ramped things up for us. And we didn't have an opportunity to break the vehicle down, pull the part out, and get it on its way so we had to disconnect the trailer disconnect the land cruiser gabby's forerunner ended up pulling the land cruiser all the way to the gas station and i had to unhook my camper from the back of my truck and uh, pull this you know thirty thousand dollar three hundred thirty five hundred pound you know off-road trailer on a pretty technical track on the way out of there so my i was pretty ramped up you know, it's, it's a fun story. We, we learned a lot. We had some fun experiences, but slow and methodical and having the people there to support the team. I mean, we like to think about one guide for at least every, you know, two to three people because it's really important. But that in itself was a very stressful morning, 15 minutes into the trip, and then four hours later, we were on the road.
1: Wow. Yeah, breaking down uh, that seriously in, in that kind of situation uh, obviously is going to test the skill set of your entire team there. Now, I'm kind of based out West, and obviously we have a great deal of public land, open land, lots of trails and stuff like that. A little bit different back on the uh, East Coast. So how do you guys find your trails? Because I've, yeah, I've seen your videos. You're on some really amazing trails just local knowledge, or uh, a lot of research.
0: I went to school in West Virginia University up in Morgantown, West Virginia, up in the north, and grew up in Covington, Virginia, which is across the border from the Greenbrier Resort. I'm, some people may be familiar, familiar with that location. But as as I was, you know, growing up through high school and then in college, I spent a lot of time out exploring, backpacking. I was a Boy Scout, um, then an Eagle Scout, and Spent a lot of time, you know, exploring the rivers, a lot of white water. Like I said, hiking and backpacking and mountain biking and gravel roads and dirt roads just always kind of appealed to me. And I just always kind of remembered where they were. And um, we used to do a lot of car camping, four wheel drive car camping in high school. That was what we did. There wasn't, you know, much of anything else to do other than you know getting out in the woods with some buddies and going fishing and camping as far away from home as we could. So I started just remembering those places and you know, moved moved out west for a bit, moved to Georgia for a bit, then moved back home. And when we started up Mountain State Overland, I started putting all that together in cataloging it in, in a map and dragging my routes and, and naming them. And every time we go on a trip, We're always pin dropping a public road that we see because we want to see where it goes. And that's what drives me. And I, you know, people, people ask all the time, Hey, send me your GPX routes for whatever you did, you know, and I, and I tell people, I think it's, I think it's great that we collaborate and we share our trail systems, but there is nothing like going out there and finding something that you didn't know about you know, on your own. I mean, I can't, the intrinsic value for, for that is, I mean, it's priceless. And I don't know how to to describe that to people. And unless we're in a situation where we're guiding a trip and we find a road like that, and I'm on the radio, like guys, you know, as many times as we've driven out here, we've never found this. This is the first time for us. And so we try to kind of inject that emotion into that experience so that people realize like, Hey, I want to just put a point A and point B on a map and I just want to go. And uh, I want to find it. You know, I want people to come and shoot from the hip and experience it because that's what that's what's driven me for the last eight years. It wasn't going out and finding, you know, everybody's routes and driving them.
1: Yeah, I love that sense of discovery. You know, this is the thing that you didn't expect from a trip or the road that you've never been on. Just go and see where that thing leads you. Uh, music and food. Both seem to play a huge role in uh, Mountain State Overland. Is there one particular type of music that you guys seem to just rock to on the road?
0: So more, more, more recently, that's a great question, Wade. And as much as we love the Vegabonds, I would say Panama by Van Halen probably gets. <laughs> <laughs> um, gets the most attention in our vehicles, um, whether it's the first thing in the morning or a mid afternoon, you know, 200 miles into, you know, some paved back roads in the middle of Tennessee where there's absolutely nothing. And uh, just to get the mood, you know, get the mood dialed in. You know, we, you know we've had a great, a great relationship with the vagabonds is a fantastic Southern rock band now out of Tennessee. Some of them are from originally in Alabama and they're fantastic to work with. We've had them on our show forever. We've had mixed reviews for people that watch our show, but you know, honestly, when you're a creator, you got to create what you want to make and people will watch it or they won't. And you should stick with it. If you really enjoy it, take the feedback and you know, understand and value that don't just shut people off. But, um, we had just as many people saying we love it to just as many people saying, can you switch it up? Can you change it? So we stuck with it because, you know, we like the guys. They're real and they're down to earth. And that's really important to us. And uh, now they're actually playing at a venture festival that we host every September. So it's fantastic, guys, you know, to answer your question about music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really actually uh, enjoy it. It seems to, to kind of go with, uh, with what you guys do, uh, for sure. Uh, Food-wise, that obviously plays a huge part, in my mind, in overlanding. Uh, you know, you, if you're going to have a fun day out on the trail, you need to eat well, too. So what's your favorite thing to cook on one of your longer trips?
0: It depends who's cooking. Um, <laughs> if it's not the right person, it can get botched real quick. Uh Gabby's got a pretty large appetite. It's hard to keep that beast tamed. So he'll find himself on chocolate covered pretzels and slim Jims until it's time to eat. I, I think, you know, so we've we've cooked on a on a Scottle a lot. Scottle we we were about two years into Mountain State Overland and uh, we talked with Jerry over at Timbo Tusk and I, I was trying to work out a deal with him so I could, you know, put a fridge slide in one or two of the trucks that we were building, and he said, I got this thing that you cook on, it's called a Scottle He said, I really haven't marketed it yet. If you guys want to try it. And I was like, well, sure. Yeah, we'll try it. Whatever. And then, you know... Then we really started getting into cooking on the trail and we were making buffalo wild wings and we were making huge breakfasts and we were making you know fantastic almost deep fried hamburgers. My favorite easy meal, quick, super cheap right now um, is thanks to our newest guide Eric Iwashita, is a couscous broccoli sausage feta dish. It's super easy to make. Uh, We've started cooking actually on fire. We've dedicated ourselves this entire year to cooking on fire. So we're cooking on a braai, a South African braai right now. And uh, it's pretty simple to put together. You just boil a little bit of water in a pot on the fire. Couscous will soak it right up. It's not complicated like rice. We'll cook the sausage, or Italian sausage or brats, preferably spicy. We'll cook them down on a cast iron skillet. We'll throw those into the couscous and let it sit while we, you know, steam the broccoli. Um, and then we'll pour it all back into the pan to soak up all of the juices from the butter and the broccoli and the sausage. Um, and then sprinkle some feta on top of it. And I mean, it's like a it's like a five dollar maybe six dollar meal that'll feed like four people. And it's fantastic it's very filling um, not a ton of calories and it's it's
1: a go-to let's jump into uh to rigs because obviously uh you guys have a lot of experience of building out your own personal rigs and you've even built a rental forerunner is my understanding that's uh pretty well tricked out and you built a couple of personal rigs obviously not necessarily because you wanted to lately but because you had to uh with your uh tacoma Tell us about your, your current vehicle and the major additions and modifications you've made to it.
0: Um, I've owned a few Tacomas. I think this is my fourth. I own a 2020 Toyota Tacoma Tacoma. Um, TRD off road with, you know, I got it with everything on it that Toyota had, you know, minus the TRD Pro package because we're just going to take that off and put something else on it. And I think the 2020 Toyota, they finally got the grill, the grill figured out for the first couple of years. It was like, uh, it's kind of like the new kid in school, like, what's he gonna, you know, or what's she gonna do? You know, like, what's it gonna, how are they gonna turn out? And, uh, but they finally got it dialed in and it looks, the truck looked great. Stop. And, you know, like I said, we built a few trucks and we're, We're learning, still learning what's important to us and what we need. After my 2017 Tacoma was rear-ended, I opted to never put an aftermarket rear bumper on the back of my truck again because I think it compromises the integrity of the back of the vehicle to the point where you can total your Tacoma if you roll the frame over top of itself. So we started thinking about a lot of the things that we really enjoyed out of our builds. You know, we've we've processed through um, canvas tents, fiberglass clamp shell tents to hard shell tents to camper. We had a slide out camper in my last Tacoma. But this Tacoma, we opted to put um, a canopy camper on. And now you have canopy camper. It's um, outfitted with water tank, two MT-45 fridge freezers from Engel. We've got it wired in for solar so that it can power itself and just sit there indefinitely if you got sunlight. Um, we actually just put a water pump in it on uh, Tuesday. So we've got a formal shower solution off the side of the truck. I'm really looking forward to using that, preferably in the wild. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, you know, we've got dual battery system. We've got suspension underneath of it. We've got Bill Stein suspension, 8100 series suspension underneath with Deaver Leafs. Uh, The truck is really dialed in, and like I said, over the last eight years, we got we got to a point where we were we need more, we need more, we need more, we need more to like oh my God, I don't need that, I don't need that, I don't need that, I don't need that, and then you get to the point where you're saying, okay, well, I'm doing this professionally now and offering a service to people. I really know what I need and I don't need because. what i need i need to get to very quickly and if i've got a bunch of stuff that i don't need in the way it's going to compromise the service that i deliver to the customer so we've been taking stuff out of the truck over the last you know 4 years of doing this guided service including really focusing on what we include in the truck when we build it which is a winch you know and a winch bumper that's very crucial what we do so it's really dialed in you know satellite communications good you know navigation you know, apps like Gaia, um, you know, to use to help us navigate um, on the trail and then communicate, you know, with our families and with our guest families on the road. You know, we we have solutions for that, too. So communication is important in the group. So we've had Midland uh, GMRS radios and we require a GMRS radio on all the trips that we take. So it's really dialed in. It's really comfortable. It does have a furnace in the camper, which is super nice. And it has a fan, which makes it even more pleasurable here in the Appalachian Mountains during the summertime when it's about 85 to 95% humidity at night. So, love it, it's it's perfect for me. And we put a purpose to it and we tell people all the time, like, you don't gotta go out and do all this stuff. You go on these trips, you figure out what you do want, but don't go out and spend all this money on it. We built this truck and we created a service to purpose this truck. There'd be no way that I could ever con- convince my spouse to spend that kind of money on a vehicle if there wasn't actually a purpose for it. You don't wanna turn people away from the past to buy stuff because we do live in a, in a consumer driven economy. But, you know, think really about what you need before you do it.
1: Yeah. I love that uh, concept of, of building for a purpose, or I call it the intentional build. You figure out exactly what it is that you're going to do with your vehicle and then build to that. So having seen all the vehicles that you've seen help build a whole bunch and everything, what advice would you give somebody that's just starting out you know they know a little bit about off-roading and overlanding but now then they're ready to to get serious about building a uh, a good capable vehicle to go out and have some fun i mean we could
0: we could start anywhere with that i mean if we wanted to start at the vehicle platform i think the vehicle actually had this conversation with the customer that called us and he was going between mid-size and full-size You know, we've had conversations between sport utility and pickup. I mean, you know, what I would tell people is reliability when it comes to the car. Otherwise, pure comfort, you know, and what fits your needs and your family. Don't pack yourself in something and then look at the aftermarket support. If you were to completely build, you know, from your hopes and dreams folder, is all of that equipment available for your vehicle? And how would you go about doing it? So thinking through how things mount, researching you know i refer to overlanding as the biggest community of ocd people it's like a collective ocd like community i don't know how to describe it we you go to overland expo and it's just like oh my god everybody's so particular about everything so um but it's true like do your research and think about how it's going to look what it's going to how it's going to function and then and then start making decisions on Do I want to go with something cheap that I'm going to have to replace that could end up in a landfill? Because, you know, we got to think responsibly about that stuff and the purchases that we make. There's a ton of videos on building vehicles. There's a ton of social social media opportunities to look and see what it looks like on vehicles. But considering the vehicle platform first. Tires, ten ply tires are the way to go if you're going to be on gravel road. And understanding the weight rating of your vehicle so that you're not putting too much weight on the back of it or inside of it or on top of it to compromise your experience. But we take a lot of people. I'd say 85% of the people that we take on trips are in these ground tents. I think it's the Gazelle ground tent. I mean, we (laughs) they're taking over the world. But You know that you know so don't don't go out and get something fancy go find somebody that you can explore with that has a little bit of experience whether it's a guided trip or you know somebody that you're meeting on a forum and see what they're using use your ground tent you don't go go out and buy all this stuff first just get yourself something fun and reliable that's four wheel drive or even two wheel drive and just get out there and see what your capabilities are and then decide what you want next
1: yeah, I think having that experience uh, to begin with before you make some of those big decisions uh, is sort of critical. Everybody's got a vehicle of some capability usually, and it'll take you somewhere. And most of us started off like you did, hiking, backpacking, whatever. So you've probably got some camping gear, and you know you just start off throwing that in the back and go get you know go try it, see what you think, and then maybe start thinking about well, I want to go to a little bit more difficult place, or I want to sustain myself for a little bit longer and figure out how you want to do it and then build your vehicle to match that. We add a lot of things to our vehicles, but most of the Toyotas, Jeeps, all of those these days are incredibly reliable just right as you drive them off the shop there. And they're pretty capable too. But when we start adding things to it, we're adding capability, but we're probably also reducing that reliability. And you mentioned weight. So you have to be real careful just strapping everything you can think of uh, onto your vehicle. It gets to be pretty bulky after a while.
0: Yeah, that's correct. I our last trip that we did last month, we had, you know, our standard five, you know, guest vehicles with us, one father and his two sons, uh, very green to overlanding. I took them 45 minutes to get all their campus stuff out of the back of their truck. And, you know, I worked with them and talked about it. And, you know, they learned a lot and took a lot away from that experience, because it, it was to the point where the gear was producing anxiety. Like, it was like, like yeah. your anxiety, like, oh, my gosh, how's all this going to fit in here? Oh, no, I got to repack it all. Where's the lighter at? Because we got all these boxes and, you know, that's a lesson learned. And they won't do it again. And that's, you know, getting out there and seeing what, what you uh, what you need is important. But, you know, you talked about anything that you pick up off the lot is pretty reliable today. But the reality is, I think, is for People that want to get into overlanding, they can't necessarily afford to go buy a new truck. So they're looking heavily at the used market. Um, There's a lot of good research out on uh, Expedition Portal, I Hate Mud, you know, and other fun forums and just talking with social influencers to learn about what sort of used vehicle opportunities are out there. Because as we know, with the chip shortage right now, there isn't a whole lot of new to buy. So uh, prices on these used vehicles are climbing drastically and you don't want to get raked over the coals and spend way too much on something used if you know it's going to perform and and last. So,
1: Yeah, very true. Um, So somebody has a stock four-wheel drive vehicle that they just picked up, uh, maybe used and everything. What's the first modification that you think is the most important if they're going to start deciding how they're going to be changing their vehicle?
0: Um, I, I don't know if I'd go out and get tires first. Um, usually, that's where people go. You need good tires. Well, I mean, the reality is you're probably going to spend most of your day on gravel roads. So, um, get some miles on those tires. Get a couple punctures before you decide what you want to do. That would then give you the opportunity to explore maybe some lifting options or, you know, suspension enhancements. I, I, I tell people Wade, the first thing that I, I go back and forth all the time on are either sliders or an awning there's nothing worse than to try and test the limits of your stock vehicle on its stock tires and you know getting a rocker panel because it, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't go away and you can't pull it out right so yeah that's that's and that's happened to me personally you know with a new vehicle and i was like always rockers are always sliders first and that at that point in time, it was actually just rolling over a large rock, and rock, and it kind of lifted up and hit into the to the bottom of the door. But you know, awning, there's nothing worse than standing in the cold rain. Unless it's 95 degrees outside, which would be absolutely fantastic, but an awning, shelter from the sun for cooking, for anything that you have to do other than sleeping, because you probably got a roof or probably have a ground tent. Yeah, that's that's where I send people first. And it's funny, it's I've seen people come on our trips with like everything on their car without an awning, you know, and I'm like, why didn't you buy the awning first? Because sure is. Crap, it rained that day or that weekend.
1: Yeah, my sliders have saved me uh, multiple, multiple times. Uh, They're definitely worth it. And plus just being able to get up to stuff on the rack and stuff makes for a pretty nice step to be able to do that. So if you decided to go with getting some tires eventually here out West, you can get in some areas. It's pretty rocky, and uh, we're not talking smooth rocks, unfortunately. You can uh, kind of get some punctures and stuff. Talk me through your thoughts on the size of a tire, uh, ratings, all terrains or mud terrains.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, as we're talking about tires, you know, understanding how big or how small or how wide or how narrow. Functionally, uh, we built a rental forerunner. Uh, for outdoorsy or to rent on outdoorsy.com this past winter, and I wanted to build that vehicle um, as cost-effectively as possible with the best equipment that I could find, right? Um, because I knew that the vehicle was going to be used by people renting it, and I didn't want it to fail, um, and I wanted the equipment to perform, and I didn't want to spend a lot of time, you know, chopping out fender wells and, you know. Body mounts and cab mounts and stuff like that. So you know we put a lot of money into the suspension to carry the weight and the sleeping and the awning and the storage and the fridge. And when it came down to tires, um, we opted for something that's going to be good on highway, good off highway, deliver fantastic results, you know, off road and for fuel economy. And people really get hung up with, oh my, but my car or my truck's going to looks so much better with this. And, you know, the one thing that people have to realize is that, you know, when they did, you know, you know, the Land Rover series, or when they did the Camel Trophy, right? When they did the Camel Trophy, those guys weren't on 35-inch tires, you know. Those guys were on, you know, 235, you know, pizza cutters. And they did that because, you know, those tires can get down to the nitty-and-gritty real quick, It'd be very effective and they're highly efficient and easy to come by. So we opted to put, um, you know, a tall skinny tire on the Forerunner. runner. Um, those types of decisions are the ones you really have to think about because don't force yourself to think about the situation where like, oh my gosh, that one time that I'm going to have to climb this super muddy hill climb. Over the next five years, I sure I'm gonna hope I have a really good tire for that because the chances are you're probably gonna wear through your tread before you ever get there. And the other thing is, is that people you know put these win- put winches on their vehicle and then they go out and get these super gnarly tires. I'm like, well, why do you have the winch? Like, why don't why don't you use it? And then there's a mentality or there's a look or I gotta have more gear. So really think through you know how the vehicle is gonna perform. You know we. We outfitted this forerunner with, you know, the suspension, you know, mod with the tent and the awning and the fridge and the storage, the goosebier storage in the back. And I drove it home from New Jersey and it was still getting sixteen to eighteen miles a gallon. That's why we went with, you know, lower, you know, resistance on the road. A skinnier tire, less resistant, it's lighter weight. It's five pounds lighter per tire. So everything that you're doing there is preserving your fuel mileage. And that's important to people that are renting. So that that's that's kind of the feedback I'd give for.
1: Yeah, those are really great thoughts because like you say, you know, a lot of times your own gravel roads are you're doing pavement a pretty long ways just to get out to the trail that you're going to drive. So that fuel economy... Again, the taller, skinnier tires seem to work a little bit better for overlanding, and the money you can save on it, you can add a compressor so that you can actually lower that pressure down and uh, get some uh, a better ride and a lot better performance out of your tire in the rough terrain. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a real stickler for uh, kind of running the the right tire pressure on uh, my tires. Now, you mentioned that you uh, recently built out the, that Forerunner. What all do you have on that rental Forerunner?
0: On our rental forerunner, we, like I said, we focused on what we felt like the renters would need and less on things that they wouldn't need. And because we had a budget, some of the stuff we had to buy, some of it was like kind contributions from you know our sponsors, but rooftop sleeping situation, tried and true Alucab, you know, Gen 3 Expedition 10 on top. We have an Alucab shadow on, you know, around the side. We have a Goose Gear storage drawer in the back on the passenger side of the cargo area. And beside it, on the Goose Gear plate, we have a ARB Elements fridge-freezer mounted. On top of the tent, we have Sunflare uh, solar panel from OK Four-Wheel Drive. Um, out front, it's a stock 4Runner. And underneath, we have Bill Stein um, 8100 series suspension package. So other than that, that's it. You know, I mean, that was, I think, you know... It's a, still a pretty heavy investment, but we didn't want people, you know, we, we didn't want pr- to promote people to get themselves stuck, you know, be places where they shouldn't be and especially operate a winch uh, without any training because that could be a very, very dangerous situation. So we didn't want to provide those tools to those people. We have some storage solutions from Blue Ridge overland gear, some packs and pouches and fun things like that. Um, and we have some equipment package add-ons that they can take advantage of for blankets and pillows up top or you know, camp kitchen, camp stove package, um, or just camp essentials like tables and chairs from Helinox. So we, we tried to really think through it. I think I thought through it too much. It hasn't really performed as well as we thought. And I think it is very specific to the region that we live in. Like Um, it's great that people don't want to come and explore West Virginia as much as we'd like them to, because, you know, we're, we're kind of keeping it to ourselves, and it's a fantastic state. And I know people probably get sick and tired of hearing me talk about it. You know, we will have this forerunner and until it's time to sell and, uh, you know, it's available for rent on outdoorsy.com for really next to nothing when you think about what you're getting. So we have rented it out a couple of times and our renters have been fantastic. Actually, their first renter um, had uh, his girlfriend, his daughter, uh, two large dogs, two large, very hairy dogs, um, which we allow people to carry one dog. We made an exception for two since he was the first. The truck came back immaculate. Uh, he He's a host for Airbnb, so he understands Mm-hmm. you know, leave him better than you found it. And uh, he certainly was fantastic. So it was a really good experience for us. And we hope we rent it out
1: some more. Yeah, it sounds like a really, uh, really good vehicle. And especially, I mean, if somebody's thinking about getting into this, I don't know if we want to call it a sport or getting into overlanding, that'd be a, a great way to go out and see if you really uh, are going to enjoy it in a, a very capable vehicle at the same time. So yeah, it's great. Now, like I said, you've seen lots of rigs out there. Obviously, your group's had uh, quite a few rigs. What's the most useless mod you've ever seen on a rig? (laughs) Oh,
0: I'm going to offend somebody now. You're going to put me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
1: Um... let's just, let's don't say useless. Let's let's say what's the most needless mod you've ever seen on a rig?
0: (laughs) People go crazy with lights. I was, I, I was immediately going to say rock lights. Uh, they have their place. If you're a rock crawler, they don't have your place driving, you know, through the local mall parking lot. Um, but you know, and then I was like, Oh, maybe I won't say rock lights, but maybe I'll say, you know, light bars on the hood or light bars above the windshield. Um, first of all, they're illegal in most States. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, they, they throw off a lot of glare and, you know, by the time the light pattern actually hits, you know, you're losing, you're losing a lot of the effectiveness of of the light. So, and then I've just seen people like, I mean, people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on lights and I don't know what it is. And, And they really are never in a position where they can ever use them. It's like the big tire. It's like the big muddy tire theory. Like I was talking about, it's like, yeah. I'm going to go get these big muddy tires, you know, with these huge cleats, you know, and I'm going to go and have them so that my truck looks cool and it'll be functional for the for the half of a percent of the time that I'm actually going to be driving my vehicle. It's kind of the same theory with lights. It's like you can't drive down the interstate with, you know, your light row on top and on your bumper and everything lit up. I mean, we've, we've got fog lights, we've got rigid fog lights buried in our victory. Uh, Front bumper Victory 4x4 front bumper We've got a rigid um, I think it's like a 15 inch Bar mounted in the Bumper as well And the the, the, the single Row LED 15 inch bar Is used in that very Rare chance that we would ever Need it on a gravel road Maybe to recover somebody that went off The beaten path Because it'll help us You know Deliver a service, you know, and um but we use the fog lights, the fog lights are street legal, you know. So uh, they're under the headlight, they're you know, amber, um, they're very effective in rain. So I think that's I think I think people spend way too much money on lights. And of course, Ridge and all these light bar companies are probably gonna hear this and they're gonna be like, Oh, we don't like those guys, why are they doing that? But it's true, guys. Don't spend so much time and investment on your on your light or your lumens.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I I try, I try to get to camp uh, before dark and so very seldom, you know, out on the trail at night. And so all that extra light really isn't going to do me very much good. And so, you know, I, I concentrated on just, you know, a little bit of light around camp and that helps a lot. Uh, But yeah, I I see, you know, huge amounts of, uh, of light bars and really big tires and vehicles stuck big time. (laughs) Those yeah, lights those lights don't help you get unstuck
0: <laughs> yeah well I tell you there's some money in those though i mean somebody's making a killing you know they you know rigid really makes a good product that lasts we've had some chinese knock-up stuff knockoff stuff in the past that have failed and got water in them or whatever um so if you're gonna do it get get something get something good tried and true a lot of people spend some time with um but you know you start looking at those prices and then it'll start hitting you you know, below the belt, you know, real quick. So put some money into things that you're going to use at camp or, you know, in your vehicle when you're driving it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just my 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 opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have some great technology. Rigid makes a great product, obviously, and, and the light technology has come a long way over the last couple of decades and stuff. Uh, so we're not, not knocking those guys uh, for sure. So most of what we do eventually involves camping. Do uh, you have a um, favorite camping hack?
0: Ooh, yes. And I, I will give this to one of my guests on our last trip is, if you like s'mores or you got kids, this is the best camping hack of 2021. Um, marshmallow and fudge stripe cookies. No longer do you need to carry... A separate bar of chocolate and graham crackers that will never get used. Just buy a small container of Fudge Stripe cookies, melt the marshmallow perfectly, slip it in between both the cookies, and then you've got yourself a s'more without, you know, leftover parts and pieces.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, that is a true guide right there, you know, telling you. Here's the best way to make s'mores, uh, but you know, I mean, that's important with the, especially if you got the the little guys out there with you on the uh, on the trail. Recently, you guys seem to have been hitting the uh, Trans America Trail a lot. Do you have a plan to complete that? We do.
0: We started
1: uh, this
0: series on YouTube called Hammer Down last year during uh, last year 2020, and we will be starting where we left off. We started last year in damascus virginia and it ended somewhere Hi, uh, you guys can hit me up if i'm wrong it's i think it was lenore city maybe um tennessee that's where we ended last year at a place called the taco shack it was a pretty fantastic little find um, we'll be rendezvousing there in mid-august and hammering down to the Ozarks and spend a couple of day in the Ozarks where we'll end here in august of 2021 and we'll start back off where we Stop this year, next year, and uh, continue this journey over the next five to six years across the country until we've we've hammered down on the Trans America Trail. Uh, it's definitely been something we've talked about for a long time, and we've always said we just don't have time to do it. So, so in typical fashion, how we started Mountain State Overland, we we mapped out our our wish list route, and every weekend we had an opportunity to go, we'd start. And stop and start where we left off the next time, and that's what we're doing with America Trail. So, uh, filming that in a week-long stint, ten-day stint, uh, we'll probably get to the point where we're probably we're, we're going to have to potentially um, haul a vehicle or two to our next um, starting point in 2022, um, and that's where you know our sponsors you know come in to really help us put the production like that on. Um, you know, we deliver a very good product. I feel like we do. For video we put a lot of energy into it and we get really excited about it and we absorb the feedback that we get and um and and share our responses you know we 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 thrive on you know giving something to for somebody to watch um on YouTube to inspire them to get out and do it and uh we're not diverting from the Trans America Trail we're not gonna skip anything I'll take that but we're gonna divert we're going to come back to where we hopped off. We're not going to skip anything because we really want to know and give people honest feedback, what we think, you know, as they, as they approach that, you know, type of expedition on their own.
1: Yeah. We probably have a couple of people scratching their head that are listening and go, what's the trans America trail. You want to give us just a brief description of what that is.
0: Yeah. Trans America trail. I don't have the data right in front of me to tell you the exact miles, but it is a uh, collected um, uh, route of, Public roads um, that traverse the United States, uh, and that is available um, in two different forms through two different people on the internet. There's one that I would, um, you know, highly recommend. It is the Trans America Trail, and uh, very distinct. If you wanted to find out some information on that, I'm sure we could provide a link. You know that that's a very well thought out, very legal um, approach to, you know, mapping and delivering a route system for people to tackle, you know, comfortably and understand everything they need to know about it. I think the other, the other provider, there's some, um, ambiguity to, uh, what is legal in some places and what is not. And we certainly don't want people to get out there and, you know, be trespassing or on property where they're not supposed to be.
1: Very true. Okay. So, You've got the America Trail working. Is there a dream trip that you want to take Mountain State Overland on besides the TAT?
0: I want to go down to South Africa and see Jeremy Berg at Alucab and spend some time in his Land Cruisers. Um, that's definitely on the bucket list. Uh, Australia is on the bucket list. I'm saving up personally for three to four weeks to do that. I don't know when that's going to be, uh, you can be sure that we're going to carry some cameras with us, um, on those adventures, you know, meeting those people and visiting those places. Um, there's so many great things to do in the U S and you know, people don't need to say that's not, uh, or don't need to view what we do or what anybody else does here in the U S is not truly an overland experience because it is, um, Simply because, you know, passing through different cultures, I mean, if you want to, if you want to experience culture, you can do that in the US and, and do that safely and, and do that affordably. So don't, don't discount, you know, what you're doing, you know, here in the East in the West and the central US, you know, the Midwest, wherever, you know, don't discount that and say, well, I'm not really overlanding because I'm not traveling around the world. Um, You are overlanding because you're creating an adventure.
1: That's very true. I mean, there is this thought that, you know, you have to go across international borders and things like that. But, you know, I have not seen everything that North America offers yet. I want to go see Australia too, but I really love going out and overlanding in Utah.
0: Absolutely. You know, I I love my home state here. Um, And it's just more recently my home state. I was actually living in Virginia, you know, most of the time when we first started Mount State Everland. But Um, You know, New Brunswick, Canada, right across the border from Maine is gorgeous. I mean, we woke up there. That was kind of a bucket list item for us because it was the end of the Appalachian, you know, mountain range as far as we could travel contiguously, you know, on land without boat. And um, we woke up on a black sandy beach after just a torrential rainstorm. Each of us individually took a shower underneath a waterfall, a cascading waterfall from 150 feet above us. Walking back to the trucks, having seals jump through waves, and then and then leaving the black rock pebble beach with six or seven bald eagles just circling, flying around, talking to each other. I mean, that was like, I mean, you can't like, how do you put that? I mean, it'd be a good. It's like a it's like an airbrush mural on the back of somebody's tailgate. You know, it's like it's not really. It's like a yeah. dream. It's like, you know, but it it happened. And, and the contrast and the clarity and 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 the cleanliness of that province in a very diverse, you know, wooded, heavily forested area during peak season to see, you know, maples and oaks and all of these different, you know, coloring foliage is in, in peak form. You know, sharp contrast without any pollution or any haze or any fog or, I mean, that 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 place is beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
1: Well, that's what we get out there to do is to have those, you know, once in a lifetime, very unique experiences like that, and you can't you can't get that unless you get out there and and go find it. Yep. Is there one personal item that you bring along on your trips uh, that just is something? You just like to have with you.
0: Yeah, if, I, if you want my technical question, I'd say a chainsaw, um, top handle saw, preferably It's small, compact, you got a lot of power. A lot of people are using battery powered saws, which are great too. Um, we use we run a chainsaw on every trip. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple here, Wade. That um, you know, quick fires, uh, fat wood is fantastic for that. Mm-hmm. You can get it cheap from your local hardware store. it's, it's great for starting a fire on a little bit of a damp or wet surface um, or you know with maybe some damp wood Um, and then like i said to begin with music you know is really important Um, my typical routine i find a level spot i pop the two clips on my rooftop tent or my camper Um, i honestly rarely open the awning unless i absolutely need it i open the back door i turn on my deamer box this bluetooth waterproof speaker connected to my phone and set up my chair. That's like my routine. Like, I, like if, if the music doesn't turn on first, th- then it's second. So that is uh, that is the one. I mean, I go, we float, we spend a lot of time on the New River floating in a raft. We take the Deemer box on that. Every time we go over to our friend's house to hang out and have dinner outside and, you know, sit on the front porch, I got my Deemer box doing that. Um, I I love music, and that's my number one item that, honestly, if I left home without, I, I'd probably be, I wouldn't be miserable, but I'd be very disappointed.
1: Yeah, yeah, everybody's just got their, their one thing, and yeah, you know, I can tell from uh, you guys that music plays such a critical role in uh, the experience when you're out there as a group, uh, as well as personally. Most of, most of your team members are photographers, right? I mean, yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well... So, I mean, I, I, we- trial by error photography you know we uh we we def none of us you know actually john i would take that back john rutherford up in massachusetts who actually now owns rocco vehicles you know mountain state created a really good opportunity for him to you know have have his own shop and build trucks in boston Uh, but john john was the only true professional photographer that we have ever had on the team and then uh, Ben Knight, Benjamin Knight, Benjamin Tyler Knight is actually you know a gaffer photog for major Hollywood sets or major film sets. He's actually working on a, a project for a series that we all know very well right now. I can't give you any details about that, but he is professional. C.T. Bill is a professional or commercial photog, he does shoot. So I guess I'm kind of putting my words back in my mouth. Like I'd say 50% of us are in that profession and the other 50% were our self-made amateur photographers. So we're, you know, we had the equipment, we purchased it, we learned what looked good, we learned what didn't. Yeah, when we would go and actually shoot in the beginning for the first several years, we carried a a big 144 inch uh, projector screen that we'd set up in the woods and you know, power off of our inverter for the projector, and we'd sit and we'd watch our film from the previous day. That's what we would do, and we'd talk about what looked good or what didn't, and that's what really helped us become, you know, better, um, than, when we, than when we were. I wouldn't say we're the best at, at it by any means. I mean, we're still learning how to edit and color and produce the audio, and we're still learning. And uh, But we do have some some real
1: talent on our team, for sure. Yeah, I mean, your videography is uh, actually extremely good, uh, I think. What are you guys shooting with?
0: Oh, uh, Canon's, Sony's, uh, you know, DJI. Um, actually, my gimbal just took a crapper on my uh, my Mavic. Two, and it's it's in the shop i need to check on that and see where it's at but ben actually just acquired a red camera so we'll be shooting with that here for hammer down a little bit
1: um that'll make editing very fun <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, sure yeah we're about to wrap this up is there anything you want to throw in uh that we haven't talked about nope that's it
0: i really appreciate this opportunity wade it's been a lot of fun talking with you um thanks for having me on board If anybody wants to learn any more about Mountain State Overland, you can just look us up on the internet, mountainstateoverland.com, or just Google West Virginia Overland and you'll find us
1: in no time. Well, Jason, thanks for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate your insights into vehicle bills, obviously your sense of humor, and uh, we'll be watching next to see what happens with Mountain State Overland.
0: Thank you, Wade. You guys have a good one.
1: You can check out all of the hilarious annex and amazing off-road adventures of mountain state overland on their youtube channel you can also follow them on instagram and facebook while you're doing that look for our new instagram channel guide gps off-road don't forget to visit our show notes on the guide gps blog for links to the discounts for trails off-road and guide gps and if you like our show stop by apple podcast and leave us a review it really keeps us going we take your comments to heart so let us know what you think thanks for listening in this is wade See you next time.